Hello, I'm Tom Hessian with Riverbend Capital Advisors, and I'm joined today by renowned Muni credit analyst, John Hallisey. John, welcome. Pleasure to be here, Tom. John, it's an interesting period for the Muni market with um, perhaps more to discuss now than any time this year. So uh, let's get right into it. Um, first area I'd like to touch on is Muni credit. And I have to say what a difference a year makes, or maybe I should say, uh, year and a half. Uh, you know, the spring and summer of 2020, the muni market was stressed with concerns about uh, diminished tax revenue uh, across a variety of sectors in light of economic shutdowns. But, uh, you know, generally tax collections and most other municipal revenue held up well and um, federal assistance through the CARES Act and the American Rescue Plan have more than compensated for more most shortfalls. Um, as a result, you know, credit credit really hasn't been as as big of a worry this year. Um, however, as you as you see us moving forward, are there some areas of concern or things that you think we need to be on the lookout for in particular? Yeah, you're right, Tom. That states and localities fared much better through the whole pandemic uh, crisis, so to speak. And a lot of that was uh, due to the American Recovery Act, and, you know, specifically the money that was provided states and localities. But it was also true that, you know, states and localities have wound up collecting more uh, than their uh, base case, including uh, COVID. So they actually did a lot better. However, there are still areas and sectors where we have some concerns. Higher education in particular was very affected by the whole pandemic rollout. And, uh, you know, basically it's the small colleges that were a little bit more at risk because they're in general very tuition dependent. Mm -hmm. And um, I know quite a few students either uh, took, a, took a year off or, you know, perhaps a semester and some of them decided to work remotely and there were certain concessions made and what have you. So I think there's uh, some more sensitivity on the small college side. And also um, anything connected with, you know, travel, so to speak. Now, you know, airports were, were hit hard early on, along with the airlines, of course. And they've been bouncing back, but it's mostly been leisure travel. I think the airlines are still awaiting more, more business travel. I know that the airline stocks have come back and the airports are experiencing more traffic. There are more 2 million passenger days uh, that have taken place and, and will happen certainly around the holidays. But it's a good thing that airports had a lot of reserves to draw on. Uh, and I don't know the exact status of that at the moment because uh, the financial reports don't always keep up with everything, but they seem to be uh, faring at least well enough to maintain their current ratings. And I know the, the agencies keep looking at the different sectors. Early on, we had a lot of concerns about transportation. And I think as you and I have been discussing uh, uh, everybody's back on the road again and toll roads and what have you have really picked up in traffic and we're almost back to 
pre-pandemic levels. So uh, the roads are not, you know, faring as much as they were impacted early on by COVID and, and they're now regaining, in some cases, even regaining beyond 2019 levels. So uh, we'll keep an eye on the different sectors to see if there's select impacts there. Uh, but overall, the muni, muni credit has come through pretty yeah, well. Another area of focus for muni investors is um, the infrastructure bill and you know its its potential effects on the muni market. And you know there's a lot to consider here uh, in terms of potentially higher uh, corporate and individual income tax rates. Um, you know restoration of tax exempt refundings, increasing the cap on bank qualified issuance. Um, you know, how do you see, how do you see this playing out? And, you know, what do you think the potential outcomes could be for, for the muni market? Well, we're certainly getting closer to the uh, final version of the um, so-called social infrastructure bill. There's been agreement on the, on the, on the traditional infrastructure bill for some time. But again, as we know, the, the votes, they've tied the votes on each together. Uh, so we're waiting to see now on the so-called social infrastructure side, we were at three and a half trillion, a recommended level for spending. It's been reduced to uh, two trillion. Uh, and of course it's always subject to fluctuation there, but some of the key areas have been uh, trimmed, including some of the climate change proposals uh, to get the cost of the bill down. So there, there, there's still a little bit discussion about what's in, what's out, and we won't know until we have the final version, but that will be ongoing. But it seems to get, be getting closer to, to the final version. Then, of course, there's the whole area of concern about how to pay for the bills. And, uh, you know, originally there was talk about uh, raising the personal income tax uh, at the top level, uh, raising the corporate income tax, uh, doing something, something with the capital gains. And all those discussions are foundering a little bit. And the, the latest version that the Democrats have uh, on the table is some kind of wealth tax that would be assessed on assets by, in particular, billionaires, uh, the, the ultra wealthy, so to speak. I think they said it, the, the latest version would affect about a thousand people or so, a uh, thousand taxpayers. That is. So we don't know exactly how that's going to look. And uh, we haven't really had asset taxes per se uh, in this country. So there might be a little bit more debate about, you know, will this work effectively or not? And as we always know, the billionaires and the highest uh, income folks always figure out ways to delay and defer taxes, always find ways to offset them to an extent. Um, so it remains to be seen where where this debate's going to wind up, but it looks like that's the direction uh, that the Democrats are going in at this point. So the basic infrastructure bill, I think if it was, could be approved separately, would be done 
right away. It's a social infrastructure bill that's kind of holding things up a bit. It does kind of make me wonder a bit of too, uh, you know, if uh, if it did end up going in that direction rather than, you know, um, individual and corporate tax rates moving higher, you know, has the, the meaning market kind of uh, priced in or, or, you know, gone through most of this year kind of uh, with the assumption of, you know, that there will be, will be um, higher tax rates and, you know, what, what would that, how might that impact demand uh, if it ends up that, you know, the, uh, the thousand, a thousand billionaires are going to pick up the tab for, uh, uh, for improving and upgrading our nation's infrastructure instead of an across the board. Um, well, Tom, I think, you know, and I know we've been through a few cycles on this, that whenever there are changes proposed, nothing happens in Muniland until it actually passes and we know what we're dealing with. And then there tends to be an overreaction, mm -hmm. uh, at least for a briefer period. And then you get back to, you know, some kind of new stabilized uh, level after that adjustment period. And I can kind of see it playing out that way again because it's hard to react to a, pa a package where you don't really know exactly what the provisions are gonna be till they actually pass. Right. And I believe you also asked about the muni provisions per se. There was a lot of talk about either repealing the SALT limitation on property taxes or adjusting it. Uh, and there was also talk about allowing advanced refundings again and um, uh, you know certain small issuer exemptions things like that as far as i can tell uh, the muni provisions have been set aside for the most part so i'm not overly optimistic that those provisions are going to be changed here mm -hmm. i don't know if you feel differently on that but that's kind of how i see it right now it's tough to say. It seems like, you know, changes every day. And, you know, I think that just also uh, kind of speaks to, we really don't know how this would play out. For example, if refundings were tax exempt refundings were restored, um, that would increase muni supply. But then if, you know, the corporate tax rate went up 5% or you know, up to 28%, that would increase demand. And it, it, it's really kind of almost impossible to gauge just how this would all shake out and affect, you know, the market um, and once it's all said and done, so. Well, you, you kind of touched on uh, what's driving demand in the market. And I think what's been remarkable in this cycle is that even given the low rates we've experienced for for quite some time now, uh, the flows have been positive to the mutual funds and there's still a lot of interest in uh, municipals. So uh, that trend is, is being sustained over time. But Tom, how about trading volumes? What are you seeing there? Trading volume has been, been pretty consistent throughout the year. I think maybe a, a bit slower in the, in the summer months and it's picked up more in more recent weeks. I would, you know, certainly agree with you about fund flows. You know, um, I, 
demand has, has been, I mean, muni demand in general, but from the, from the funds has just been relentless this year. And um, which, you know, I think can be attributed to a combination of factors. I feel like, you know, since the election last year, there's almost, there's a, almost an investor consensus that one way or another taxes are going up. And as such, the value of tax-free income would become more valuable. And yeah, I think investors have put their money where their mouth is in that respect and have continued to pour money into bond funds at a record pace. Um, you know, funds not being inclined to hold cash have um, continued to buy up the available supply in the market and supported muni performance and and have um, you know kept kept trading volume uh, you know at a, at a at a pretty consistent level as well uh, you know there's some there's some seasonality playing out in the market right now as well uh, October you know tends to be a kind of a weak month for muni performance usually supply new issue supply um, tends to pick up ahead of the holidays and um, fund flows have you know been been consistent all year but the last couple of weeks have really kind of um, diminished and you know still positive but not not to the not to the same level as we've been seeing through most of the year um, you know seems to be a bit of a pickup in bid wanted volume a little bit more selling and um, you know all this in the backdrop of of treasury yields drifting higher um, you know I, I would anticipate that we'll see uh, some volatility over the next few weeks going into the end of the year and um, don't mind because I, I think that oftentimes can you know create opportunity as well so do you see as much year-end tax swapping this year i mean those who have had um you know older vintage bonds have had some some pretty good gains here <laughs> if if they wind up selling do you, do you think much of that will go on yeah i mean I, I think right now uh you know it's possible to to take some tax losses on things that were purchased you know, through the earlier part of this year. And, you know, there's also older vintage bonds with large gains out there. And, you know, I, I think the activity in tax swapping is likely to continue and to probably, you know, accelerate over the next few weeks. So, you know, I think that'll that'll uh, keep volumes high as well. I think we'll see more of it. Okay, good to hear. Switching gears, there's uh, an area that I wanted to get your thoughts on as well, and that being green bonds, ESG, and in the muni market. Kind of just wanted to get your opinion on where you see trends in issuance. You know, maybe what is maybe driving demands there. Um, there's not really, you know, kind of a universal standard for you know calling a bond a green bond i i believe i know some of the rating agencies are starting to recognize or or i should say give a distinction of you know a green bond it seems like a lot of different types of muni issues would qualify i believe the first muni esg etf was recently kicked off 
Um, what do you think about this about this uh, trend? Well, ESG, environmental, social, and government governance, excuse me, is a worldwide phenomenon and much more important in markets overseas. It's caught on here and it's building momentum. And I would say it's maybe a couple of years now where it's becoming more important. What it does is it perhaps introduces another class of buyers to, to the muni product. It could be that, you know, taxable accounts that don't really need the tax exemption per se might be coming in because of the ESG denomination or, or, or classification. So there's some of that, that you're tapping new buyers that you didn't have before. And, and, and muni issuers uh, always appreciate uh, widening the buyer base. So I think that will be here to stay. There is quite a discussion about whether you need an outside certification for declaring it an official green bond or whether you can have self-certification. And, and right now, there, as you said, there's no one standard uh, in the muni market. The other factor, uh, well, there are several other factors. The other factor with ESG is that sometimes the certification agencies will monitor the credit over time to determine whether or not the the issuer is complying with the green bond rules or not that were established at the time of issuance. Of course, self-certification is different on that. They just step up and say, you know, we are uh, complying. So there's some discussion about that. But the other aspect is Again, outside the U.S. and other markets, ESG bonds are in favor and somewhat, sometimes get a beneficial uh, interest rate for having that designation. And although there may be some examples in the muni market where um, yields were lower because of the ESG designation, it hasn't been fully proven out. You know, so we have to keep monitoring whether or not there will be a difference established over time. But again, I, it, it's not a straightforward consideration. But in terms of the trend, ESG is definitely here to stay. I think that in a lot of cases, those of us in the muni market always say, well, aren't, aren't all municipal bonds essentially ESG bonds? Especially when you're talking about you know, essential services, water, sewer, et cetera. I think the trend will continue. And um, there are separate ESG mutual funds being established and have been established uh, that are you know, gathering assets and, and becoming a bigger factor in the market over time. Well, John, thank you for your time today. Um, always appreciate your perspective and um, let's do it again soon. Appreciate it, Tom. And um, let's hope the market keeps uh, functioning as well as it is. And thanks for being with us. Uh, if you have any questions or would like to discuss further, please contact us at Riverbend Capital Advisors. Thank you.